Hello. Hello. Hi, welcome to Off the Book, the podcast. I am Maddie. I'm Beth. I can't take my seriously. (laughs) We talk all things YANA and adult book. (laughs) You can't see, but Beth is doing some actions. (laughs) I'm doing the finger guns. I'm doing the peace sign. I did the Debbie Ryan in front of a student today and they were so, they were just like taken back. Like, hold on, you understand like the references? I was like, of course I understand the references. Well, I, do you know this thing that's going around about um, skinny jeans and side patterns are unfashionable now, they're uncool. <laughs> I just Illegal, they will never die. Okay, first of all, skinny jeans, absolutely not a die. They're not dying. I mean, I love my mum jeans, but also I have about, 500 pairs of skinny jeans and I refuse to buy a whole new wardrobe because yeah someone three years younger than me says it's uncool no just someone who's still a teenager nah nah I had and to really work that out I would like to point out that I've had the middle part since 2017 so I've had curtain bangs since like 2007 <laughs> I had them last year as well, so I'm just like, we are pioneers. We are pioneers. And here's the thing, my curtain bangs are cut equally so that I can then have a ridiculous side fringe when I feel like it. It's wonderful. I love that. I mean, curtain bangs for me were definitely not the fashion choice because I've got a very round face and it just adds to the roundness. You look beautiful. Thanks. We weren't friends when I had them. (laughs) Wait, we were friends? When? Why? (laughs) Um, So today we fought, you know, Akasuf. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. You taking the the mic out the way I talk is not it, Chief. You were having a good day until now. Except I wasn't having a good day and you knew I wasn't having a good day and you still <laughs> made the choice. You still made the decision, knowing that I haven't had a good day, to take the mick out of the way I talk. I woke up today and chose violence. What you can did. I say? Also, we're from the same place. I can't help that you sound incredibly <laughs> posh, all right? I was told I'd be put up for adoption if I had an Essex accent. What's wrong with an Essex accent? I don't know. The rest of my family don't have them. And they were like, you can't be the odd one out. And I was like, okay, mother. Okay, father. (laughs) But if you get me in the right situation, my accent does drop dramatically. You'll never see it. But if you send me back to like my old secondary school where we didn't have toilet doors. That's illegal, Bethany. Mean streets. (laughs) Tell that to my old school. Tell that to them. <laughs> Literally, um, the doors would be ripped off and they were like, we can't be bothered to replace them. Piss in front of your friends. And we were like, bet. Um, anyway, we fought today. <laughs> we, fought. we fought, yeah, with an F, fault. That F and no T, fault. Um, that... Um, we would discuss uh, our experience at the Sarah J Mass tour. That was kind of a rip-off, if I'm honest with you. Absolute rip-off. And we were very infuriated. And actually, I feel like before we talk, because we've, we've agreed we're gonna, this is going to be a spoiler-free episode for anyone who has not necessarily read it. Um, 
and then we are going to do an episode talking about the book however I think before we get into that there is a big thing I would like to talk about which actually I meant to talk about before we started recording um because I mean this book on social media has had really mixed reviews even before it came out specifically in regards to the author and uh Maddie and I were watching the talk and some of the criticism she's faced about specifically her lack of diversity wasn't even acknowledged I I bet you because the thing is there were apparently audience questions but I never saw anything about like a, being able to send no. in audience questions so if there were audience questions I bet you there were questions saying why do you not promote like diversity why do you not have any any diverse leading characters but they were completely ignored instead it was oh where's your ideal place to write a book no one wants to know that like we already know that she's probably told us that a million times I would have much rather had her actually like fess up and be like okay you know what yeah every single lead character I've ever had that has good things happen to them are white and then talk about like how she plans to take accountability for that and talk about how she's going to make her books better and more inclusive. At least address it. Like at least be like, I have recognised, I can see your comments. Like she's ha- she's gained so many followers from TikTok, like an insane amount. Like mm. she, surely she knows the criticism that she's getting. And I don't, like, I don't know, because you mentioned it might be that because they had an interviewer who apparently is another author, but I've I've never heard of her before. And she was the one asking questions. We'll talk about her in a minute. (laughs) Mm. But all of the questions were like pre-planned. And I feel like if they went through that much effort to pre-plan all these questions, then they could have at least been like, okay, let's just address this. Like, just say how you're going to fix it in the future. Say how you're going to address it. That's the first step. But she just doesn't. And she digs herself into a deeper and deeper hole. But I think one thing that we were kind of scared of is that like initially we'd seen a few like book talkers kind of like showing that they'd bought the book and they were going to talk about their opinions and they got completely shut down. And we were texting each other like we didn't even know if we were going to talk about it. Um, And actually I was a really random thought that just came up that I forgot about. I felt so honoured that I read a I read the the book and I felt like I really connected with Nestor and I felt like very seen in this story and I immediately was like this is not the case for a large proportion yeah. of my readers and that is ridiculous and actually the the characters that are so we have more who I believe is the only LGBTQ character she wasn't in this book she was in like two she's chapters she's not in the book and when she is she's a terrible person I don't like, like her really after this book yeah in all the previous books I've loved her but in this book she's now again the interesting thing is because it is from a different narrative and we will talk about that later um and this is how Nesta sees her and Nesta and Maul don't have the best relationship but I was I was really upset about that, but we just really didn't see anything of her at all. Um, and of the more racially diverse characters, Amron seems a bit of a bad guy. I didn't Tarquin like Amron in this either. Yeah, and I normally love Amron because she terrifies me. Um, Tarquin is mentioned once, and even then, it's not massively positive. Um, I th- I think that that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. Like it's, it's just not, and like it's just, mm. Mm. one thing I will say 
is right so i these tiktokers that we saw that were being absolutely ripped to shreds on on their social media for talking about the book first of all cancel culture okay you cancelling someone for talking about a book like people are allowed it's literally a, su- a subject in school where we're critical and we analyze books and text so mm. for someone to read the book doesn't mean that they're gonna support it or endorse it they're just giving an honest critical review okay cancel culture mm. in the first place no if you've got a problem say it but there's no reason to be harsh in general like just put your point across but there's no reason to, for like death threats or like threats of there's no reason for that also mm. as white allies um we should be um highlighting um bipoc um black indigenous people of color their voices we shouldn't (laughs) completely cover the comment section so that i i was looking for people's reviews um of like minority groups and i couldn't see a single comment from from them because it was just like all white people attacking this person that, that is the thing that as white allies, people forget that listening is the most important thing that a mm-hmm. white ally can do. And people just go, no, like angry time, angry. And just start shouting at people. And I'm like, hang on, why don't you go away, find a resource that's actually stating all of these facts and highlight mm-hmm. their voices instead of yeah. shouting in which their voices then get buried. Like, mm. no. In the future, when the world is a better place, and I got if I got to go to an actual book signing, I would straight up ask her to her face. I have three questions I want to ask Sarah J Maas. The first one is in regards to her lack of diversity, whether she's going to take accountability and what she plans to do to rectify the situation. Number two is um, there was, and again, I'll try and keep it spoiler free, but there was meant to be a scene in this book that was cut out. And I just want to know who the third person was. If you know, you know. And the third one is, I just want to know, if she had to cast me as a character, who would I be? For her as the author, who would I be? I was thinking about Two of them are really unimportant. No, we did a quiz. I say a quiz. Was it part of the pack from this um, this talk? No, it, it was from a content creator. I will find her and I will send her your... Uh, I will send you her information because I've seen her... You've seen her TikToks. I, I'll send it to you. Okay. Well, it was basically like a um a b or c like figure out what archer on sister you are i got nesta i feel like that was kind of predictable but you also got nesta which was a surprise to me because i always picture you as like somewhere in between elaine and Feyre. okay i'm gonna say this once and only once how dare you how dare you insult me and compare me to Elaine? No, 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 I no, 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 no. Compared to that woman. No, listen, because you're sweet and caring and loyal, but you have a personality, which is where favor comes into it. <laughs> See, I got, I got two, I got two of Elaine's personality traits. Not, don't worry, they weren't boring ones. Uh, I got, oh, I got I one. I got one on. of favors, which is like the. Like clothing color I would rather wear which is black because you can wear any any kind of black clothing it always matches it always looks very stylish but all of my other personality traits and things that I ticked off were Nesta yeah but I, I honestly don't picture you as Nesta I know it's an absolute surprise but hey ho the, the Instagram doesn't lie 
Sorry, that was a, a dog toy. I have a migraine, so I'm just taking a tablet. Bear with. Bear you with. have? Yep. I'm fine. I'm Madison. just... I'm fine. <laughs> For everybody who doesn't know, I suffer from migraines. And I've had two in the past two days, and I've run out of tablets. So I've just taken my last one. Um, I'm fine. The more the more I'm distracted, the quicker it'll pass. So let's just... Okay. Okay, so we'll, we'll oh. get talking about this book real quick. Sorry, really quick. I wanted to circle back. Beth was, I've, we've edited it out because I was just moving rooms. But Beth was just saying how if Sarah J Maas did turn around and like. Um... It's like take accountability and be like, here's how I'm going to fix my lack of diversity. Um, yeah, the, she was like, oh, you need to sing it because I can't sing. Don't be trying to double back. I already despise you. Yeah, that. And then I was thinking how would she fix it because at this point she's already made free world i mean crescent city is only the first book so 100 percent she's gonna add let's be honest a thousand more characters because i can't keep up throwing the glass mm -hmm. i was lost half the time um but like akatar pretty much all of the characters are like set in stone how mm. is she gonna how would she fix it mm. i don't know I don't anyway know. Should we just talk about the experience really quickly? The overall yeah. experience? Well, no, let's do a spoiler-free review so people vaguely... So, spoiler-free review of the book. What, what were your thoughts? I loved it. I... Here's the thing. Was there much of a plot? No. But it was more to do with Nesta's growth and her mindset. It wasn't like... Akamath, there was no like big villain. I mean, technically there was, but he sh they showed up, like nothing happens with them really at all. But I suppose it's setting up for the next because there's supposed to be two more books. I don't know. The Lord knows. Well, we talk about it later, but apparently SJ, uh, Sarah J Maas drunkenly pitched this book and numerous others to her editor who bought them all. <laughs> so God knows how many books we've got left. Yeah, but I really enjoyed it. I loved being in Nesta's head because it was it is very mature. 18 well, let's mm. say 17 plus only, guys. Like <laughs> it's it's an adult book. It's not YA, which I guess mm. is a little bit difficult to write free YA books and then being like surprise. Um mm. <laughs> so I mean, I'm sure she I hadn't realised that she was officially changing from YA to adult. I didn't realise that until we got to the book. And I was like, oh, hello there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. What did you What did you think? I really loved that we were able to really see Nesta's healing journey. And, um, and I mean, I'm not... And we'll talk about it more in depth when we do our, like, full review of the book. But I just thought... Nesta's kind of growth and her connection with the people around her it's it was just phenomenal it was so well done and I just it made me really happy because the thing is I I've seen so much Nesta hate on the internet for so long and it's broken my heart because the thing is from the beginning I could kind of tell like I was like that's like she's kind of mean but like I feel like there has to be more to her and like finally getting a book where we see it from her perspective and we see certain moments from her perspective and you realize like 
I had her all wrong when I was watching her in some of those scenes, watching her like it's a film, <laughs> like I'm a It's stalker. a film in your head. Yeah, it is. It is. It is the movie in my mind. Um, but no, it was so amazing to kind of go back and see things from those. And I, I loved seeing certain characters, like we've mentioned with like Moore and everyone, and specifically Reese. Uh, seeing oh. them, her perspective, Reese so and Feyre. I mean, to be honest, in right, so. Akamath, not Akamath, Akatar was like okay to me. Akamath was like the peak, and then Akawar was like kind of like okay again because at that point Reese was kind of just getting a little bit creepy. Mm. It it really solidified that in my mind for um a court of frost, frost and stuff. Yeah. And we're not gonna talk about the scene, but everyone knows that one scene in a court of frost and starlight <laughs> that made us all uncomfortable. Every yep. single person. But this book, if you love Reese, it's probably gonna break your heart a little bit he comes across like a bit of a dick he's an absolute jackass yeah and um oh another little thing to add on uh as a heads up for when we do our episode this is going to be our longest episode when we review the book we might have to make two separate episodes because we are also going to talk about the Feyre and Reese extra point of view and the Asriel point of view I have so much to say on those well Same. not as much Reese and Feyre I don't really care about oh them I didn't care about that that little snippet at all although I do have like one big thing that I have to question um but no, the Asriel one, because Asriel's, well, again, I won't say too much, but like that's received was... a lot of criticism. Yeah, which I don't everyone's get. Like, everyone's hating on Asriel. And I'm like, okay, this is the first time in his head. And we've, we've, ha- we've literally had nothing from him before. He is quiet as anything. And I'm not being funny. We've got about eight pages, if that. Like, <laughs> yeah, and we've made up our own version of him in our minds. So it's not going to meet the version we have in our heads. It's, and I'm just interested. I, yeah, but that's going to be a whole different conversation. Um, but no, I loved Nesta's healing journey and I love mm-hmm. that she, as a character, took accountability for her actions. Also, the female empowerment in this book has actually made me want to work out. <laughs> we were texting about this. That's the reason I went for a run today. I mean, yes, it lasted less than five minutes, but I was running and I was thinking to myself, I'm doing this for you, Nesta. I was going to go for a run today and then I was on TikTok for two hours. I was on TikTok for like an hour and a half and had to shower. But no, I was actually thinking like, I'm doing this for you, Nesta. I went on a run. I felt so good about myself. And then I ate the the fattest bowl of spaghetti bolognese. (laughs) I ate so much pasta I, I can't even explain to you how much pasta I ate. I ate enough pasta to satisfy two fully grown adult men. I love like, that for you. I love that for me. I would eat pasta for breakfast, lunch and dinner. We oh. get two new female characters in this book. And well, I'm one, obsessed. One of them we've met. One of them we have met already. Yes, but like it kind of, it's kind of played off as like a... Like it's, it's kind of like implied that she's going to be in the future books, but it's not like, like mm. solid but i like i'm obsessed with both of them i'm obsessed with both of them and we have theories specifically about one (laughs) but we'll talk about that in the next episode i have some different theories and i have some complaints but again we'll save that for the next episode Mm -hmm. okay so let's uh start talking specifically so this is gonna be talking about the things that uh sarah j mars was saying uh from her perspective as the author writing this book should we talk really quickly about the experience like what we got what happened Nah, it was just a talk. 
Well, we did get like an activity pack that I thought they might actually. Did you not get emailed it? No. So I got sent. It was like a little booklet like a virtual booklet and there was like a quiz to find out what archer on sister you were there was like cocktails there's a way to make um friendship bracelets because they make friendship bracelets in the book you're um, kidding no yeah it's all there i thought they were actually gonna do it on the during the like the thing during the tour um but it wasn't even mentioned so. you're absolutely choking me <laughs> Oh my days! I'm I didn't disappointed get that. Now. You didn't get that. Also, the uh, the interviewer talked over SJM mm. a lot. <laughs> she all, put her opinions in. She she was like constantly interrupting Sarah J. Mass, but also like her questions were like it took her five minutes to ask a question because she was dancing around it. We would have had so much more time to actually get down to like the really important things. For example, addressing some problems. Mm-hmm. But no, this this the the woman asking the questions was asking and speak. I, I we would text each other like I'm so frustrated because she keeps speaking over the author and it, you know what if this was the the host if it was her Q and A fine but we're here to hear about Nesta and her journey and Sarah J Maas's journey writing Nesta and we just she kept interrupting her and I found it very uh, like infuriating. Yeah, we literally had two audience questions as well yeah literally literally. two because she ran out of time and i thought it was going to be live as well but apparently it wasn't apparently it was recorded beforehand so like edit some stuff down (laughs) it doesn't Mm. take that long it was a pre-recorded video i thought it was going to be like on a zoom call or something or a um a youtube live video so that we could type messages in nothing I was so confused. I was on my way home trying to get onto this meeting, like not having a clue what was going on. Um, Mm. But yeah, they showed some pretty pictures of people holding the book at the beginning and that was kind of it. Literally. Um, Anyway, yeah, let's get on to what they talked about. So we found out that Sarah J Mouse actually started writing this book years ago. Um, The the interviewer who'd been like, oh yeah, I love Nesta's journey, da-da-da-da. One of her questions then was, when did Nesta become more than just the bitchy older sister? And Sarah J. Maas shut it down. Like, since the beginning, I, there's always been so much more to, like, Nesta than Fair has ever known. She was never just the the bitchy older sister. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes. Like, you could, like, from the beginning, even if she's perceived as the bitchy older sister, you knew that it wasn't, she wasn't like that just, just for shits and gigs. You knew mm-hmm. there was something there. There was a reason she acted that way. Um, we found out the, the third book, so uh, A Court of Wings and Ruin, was meant to be the end, but Sarah J Maas was so drawn to Nesta and her journey, she just said that like she couldn't leave it there. Um, what was it? And uh, something that Sarah J Maas said, she said, I wanted her to be someone who made mistakes and hurt other people, but just because she made mistakes in the past doesn't mean that she can't grow. I just thought that was quite important. It made mm. me really happy. Um one of the questions was does it like did it feel different writing Nesta in her point of view because you know considering the other heroines that um Sarah J Maas has written and Sarah J Maas said that it it she is different to the other heroines like Selena and Bryce and Feyre um because she was talking about how Sarah J Maas has to like emotionally connect with all of her heroines and like elements of herself have always been written into her characters but like without being autobiographical but Nesta is the most similar to Sarah J Maas, again, without being autobiographical. 
And you know what? I will give Sarah J Mass props because the thing is mental health is such a big, it, it's one of the biggest things in the book. Um, and Sarah J Mass kind of like came out and was like, I've massively struggled with my mental health issues. Uh, like there is no cure but you learn how to live with them mm-hmm. um and she said she'd been going through something like for the past years and the thing is like obviously she wasn't delving in and like telling us like her specific trauma but she was kind of explaining how like she was going through something she had people to rely on and certain parts of that journey influenced like how like it let her tap into Nesta's mindset it gave her these kind of like specific moments that we see in the book like those moments of darkness versus the moments of kind of light and like it was just really nice um and it was just it was really interesting to hear i thought it was really interesting for her to be like oh like she's completely different from like bryce and selena and aelin and like mm. Feyre. like to me i didn't think there was like that much separation from them except that um like nesta doesn't have any idea how to wield a weapon <laughs> hasn't got a clue whereas all of the others like they've kind of got some sort of knowledge um but uh, like even like bryce she struggles with mental health issues it's not delved into that deeply but and no spoilers but there's the scene if you know you know on the roof um and uh alien as well especially no spoilers because beth hasn't read the book yet <laughs> in Kingdom of Ash um, and even Feyre in A Court of Mist and Fury like I feel like they've all struggled and they've all like they, mm. they I feel like Nesta's really it's like constantly there whereas Feyre like she was in a bad situation she got out of it and she slowly built herself back up but Nesta's been out of that bad situation in theory in like air quotes that that little bracket Mm. that bad situation for a while and she can't seem to bring manage to fight these like thoughts away Mm. so maybe that's what she's thinking but I don't know I thought it was interesting I didn't think there was that much degree of separation yeah Uh, I mean also sorry thinking like specifically for Nesta and I'm gonna be very careful with how I wear this because we're remaining spoiler free but like we learn a lot more about the things that do kind of plague Nesta we learn a lot more about her like parents influence and how that impacted who she is there was a and I've still not read the full chapter I don't know if I have the strength to but it's a chapter from I think a court of mist and fury that was like an extra scene between Cassian and Nesta and Nesta reveals uh, like a really awful trauma that she went through and like you kind of like see like I think this whole time all these things have been building up but because and like we never had insight into her head we kind of never or not not that we didn't pay attention to it but we didn't realize like the depth of her struggles and then you yeah. kind of get into this book there's a point later that because we talk about the narrative and the way that it's it's not in first person where a lot of the books have been um and like Sarah J. Moss was like, no, going into first person to tell Nessa's story would have been just far too close and like too also personal. Like, yeah. And in my head, like these characters exist in my mind. And I was like, that would have been too personal. Like I would have felt like I was intruding on Nesta and her, her. thoughts and feelings. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're coming away- I'm gonna come away from it slightly, but like um, and I feel like we talk about it further on. But um SJM also said that like Nesta's not a bitch like she's just she speaks her mind and she's protective and she's going to be honest with people which I feel is like um 
again, I feel like it's different than necessarily the others. Selena, I feel like kind of fits into this category as well. Whereas Feyre, I feel is very diplomatic and she um, plays mm. both sides a little bit. Whereas Nesta's like going to speak her mind and she's very yeah. honest. And um, it comes across as her being a bitch. And that's what really like resonated with me because I've been told so many times to fix my face or that... Um, I shouldn't be like talking to people and I, it's not that I ever mean to come across mean we literally had this experience with the other day with one of the guys that we lived with in third year but he basically told me that I was mean and I was like it for a second it like made me question everything I was messaging Beth I was like do I come across as mean but I feel like especially reading Nesta's story like no I'm not a bitch and I don't go out of my way to be horrible to people but equally I'm mm. not going to take no shit from people mm. like also like by societal standards women are expected to just kind of be like oh sorry um hmm, and be very forgiving and kind of like stay quiet and also like as a safety thing for women we learn especially around men that we are very careful with what we say how we mm-hmm. react like I could tell you like a number of occasions where I've monitored my own responses and how I react to a situation because I can't trust the guy around me to behave rationally on numerous occasions um I mean I'm now changing that perspective because I've grown a lot in this time period (laughs) because what else is there to do in lockdown other than grow mentally and emotionally (laughs) that's all I've tried to do but um yeah I, I I agree with that wholeheartedly I thought it was amazing um we also learn throughout this book that there is no because there are certain things we really pick up on like to do with Nessa's trauma and I'm trying to be careful there's like a specific recurring thing like a sound and it's the thing of like you see that slowly Nesta kind of starts to understand and like identify her fear and we also learn how to draw strength from those fears which I just thought was interesting. Do you know what? So I'm not going to give a spoiler for A Court of Silver Flames, but if you haven't read A Court of, oh my God, Frost and Starlight, it's mentioned in there about her not being able to get in the bath. And I was surprised how many baths she was taking in this book. Do you know what? From not being able to step foot into a bath, like I think it's mentioned in Akawar as well, because just before the battle, like I was like hang on this is similar to the sound that you were talking about like I feel like maybe that's the only thing she managed to um master yeah before she even before Feyre and Reese were before Feyre did a reverse Uno and turned into Tamlin she literally did we talked <laughs> about this and again we'll be like it's not I'm gonna make the assumption of like we're gonna be spoiler free for a court of silver flames but at this point all of the other books have been out for a, a while mm-hmm. um Obviously, in the first, no, second book, Tamlin is horrendous and he basically puts Feyre under house arrest and takes away all of her control, all of her independence and is incredibly toxic. Um, and she pulls that Una reverse card on Nesta. Now, Nesta has been like clearly exhibiting self-destructive behaviour and unhealthy patterns and unho- unhealthy co- coping mechanisms, which we actually learn more about. Um, but she pulls that Una reverse card and is like, you are going to the House of Wind, you are training you are, I'm not hearing any of it. You're being cut off. And it's just that, oh, okay. Literally cut off. Yeah, literally cut off from society. She cannot get out of that house. Like, 
that is so not fair in any way, shape or form. Like, I mean, in the, um, no, no spoilers, no spoilers. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say something. I had to stop myself. Um, so this book was emotionally exhausting to write, uh, according to Sarah J Maas, because uh, I mean, A, a Court of Mist and Fury was a healing journey for Feyre. Um, however, it's a completely different healing journey to A Court of Silver Flames, because I think Silver Flames is purely focused on that healing. Um, whereas, Definitely, uh, there's hardly, sorry, I mean, it's not a spoiler. There's not much of a plot, like <laughs> there's not, it is, literally just based on her healing yeah. whereas mist and fury is like dealing with the aftermath of uh under the mountain and preparing for what's clearly an upcoming war whereas this book it's clearly like i'd want to describe it as a spin-off because we're focusing on different characters but there's clearly going to be more like so this is the beginning of like we're meeting the new key players we are seeing our new concerns some new challenges are appearing so we know vaguely what's what might happen next who we need to keep an eye on but that it's was not setting up for it yeah so yeah. i believe the next book we get will be more like that or like more like a court of mist and fury with that okay dramatic things are happening in love lives and personal lives but the most important thing is the dramatic story there is a war these are the bad guys here's who we should be afraid of so um, um during this like talk sarah jane Ross said that she's it's already planned. Like she, know, she basically knows what's going to happen, um, which she That's didn't so say. Power. I know. She's also... literally sat there, like probably like watching us all on social media. Like, oh, I love this person. I love that person. Oh, I hope this theory's true. And she's there, like, like uh, what's his name, George R. R. Martin, who knew that he was going to kill off everyone we loved, everyone, even the people he didn't love. Like well, at, I... at this point, if, mm, she just. Sorry. I know that she knows that we love people, and she's like, I'm going to take away your happiness. I, I have two things to say. First of all, I saw someone on TikTok being like, um, I mean, and she says this in this thing, she likes happy endings. And someone on TikTok was like, I'm just so relaxed reading her books because I know for a fact she's not going to kill anyone off. Like she's not, gonna, she, she's not brave enough. She's not brave enough. And I was like, um, I mean, let, yeah, to be fair. Um, yeah, to be fair. I, I'm never like too stressed. I know like I know no one's no one too serious is gonna die. But we do have that little thing with Elaine being talking to Cassian about um about his po potential death. Again, spoilers spoiler free just for a court of the other flames, not for the other books. Um like it's not even like the biggest spoiler, it's just like Cassian I think making a joke like, oh it'll take more than that to kill me, and Elaine's just like, No, it won't, and you're like, What do you know? <laughs> Yeah, this is another reason why I hate Elaine. I ha <laughs> I'm starting an, an Elaine hate club. It's a fan club. Membership's free. Just hate Elaine. That's all I ask. I was trying to think of the other point. Sorry. Um, no, no, it's fine. What was we talking about just before I said that? Um, the, the series of books. She's got it all planned out. Oh, um, yes. Um, I could have sworn it was pretty much confirmed that the next book was about Asriel. Yeah, but then her, she ended the talk like, but I'm not saying who's the next yeah. book is, but it's basically been confirmed. And especially if, if, she's going, if we are going off her track record, the last book was from Nesta kind of Cassian point of view. This book had like, the uh, depending on the version of the book you got, either it's an Asriel POV 
or and these are just like the added extra scenes that she adds sometimes that she's like I've written this and it didn't make it into the cut but it's you know important information uh, it's either Asriel or a like Feyre and Rhysand one so the knowing the As one we kind of like made that assumption and I don't even know if she'd like suggested it or like mentioned it on lives so we have been led to believe it's Asriel but it's frustrating that she won't say I'm also I'm intrigued whether it's going to be another um split point of view like we've like a court of silver flames is because if that's the case is it going to be elaine if it is asriel would it be elaine because i can't i would maybe think possibly more because obviously more has been away doing something on a mission so perhaps we'll see more of that that's what i was thinking as well asriel is okay is this a spoiler we can cut out if it is. Azrael is like hardly in this book. He's there, but he's away on missions, just like uh, Moore is. So I, no, feel I like that, I say that's not a spoiler because okay. Azrael's never really around. Never he's always up doing things. And um, I just feel like it would be it's going to be a completely different dynamic to be in his point of view because we're not always normally in the center of everything that's going on, and Azrael's off doing God knows what flying over some other country so i just mm. think it's going to be weird to have a perspective completely in his head slash mm. maybe more's mm. i also can't picture having half a book in elaine's point of view i would honestly be bored <laughs> i wouldn't care um i'm i'm gonna not say any names but there is a character in throne of glass i'm mentally sending it to maddie who whenever uh, whenever this one character was in a scene, I was just like, I don't care. Can I say Maddie it? Knows no, don't say it because some people won't know who it is. But I feel the exact same way about Elaine. Is it a guy? No, it's a girl. The one who I, I go, oh no, Melanie. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm not going to say it. <laughs> no, say. Okay. <laughs> I can't even remember her name, so... Um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, uh, another nice little kind of comment, and this is something that I've seen got a bit of a conversation. So, the dedication at the beginning of the book, the first message is really inspiring. It's like to all the nesters out there, climb that mountain, deeply inspiring. And Sarah J. Mass was like, Oh, I cry every time I read that because she's just really touched to know that there are people out there who are really touched by Nessa's story and her journey and like feel they can really connect with her. And I was like, Oh, that's inspiring. And then the next bit of the dedication is to her husband, her dog and her child. And I was like, this is the filthiest book you've ever written and you've dedicated it to your like son. And like a lot, of, I saw a few people on book Twitter were like, that, I, I'm not comfortable. She's like, I know like as like your family in the acknowledgements, you always want to thank them. But like some of the content in this book, you're like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want anyone in my family to know it was written. Like, like her I, husband, I, and her dog, fair enough, dedicated to him. But your son? No, no shame. Like imagine her son growing up and in many years time, like typing his name into Google, because that's what people do sometimes. And he sees like the dedication goes, oh, read mum's book and going, oh my God. Imagine. Could you imagine? No, maybe mm. that's weird. Mm. 
Uh, one of the reasons why Sarah J Maas says she's not done with this world and she's really going to keep writing Akatar books is because she says she's still discovering things about these characters. And again, remaining spoiler free, but if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. She said she has like random ideas. For example, there is a scene between the Bat Boys and some stairs. She just was like existing one day and that idea popped into her head and she didn't even question it. It wasn't even a second guess. She was like, oh yeah, that happened. And then she was like, oh, maybe put, into, put it into the book. I am uh, waiting. Thing... Sorry, mm-hmm. no, go. No, you go. Okay. I am waiting for the crossover book. Mm. This entire book, no spoilers, but it, it, it's not going to make sense unless you've read um, Throne of Glass and Crescent City. Oh. There's certain elements in there that just, it would just go straight over your head. I'm waiting for this crossover. She keeps hinting at it. And then, then just like it just goes, it just disappears. No, I need this crossover book. Maybe it's going to take a while. Maybe we need um, Crescent City to get a little bit further in because I feel like that's the one that it has the closest connection to. Um, Yeah, Um, for sure. Mm. I my thing is, so Sarah Jemas is saying like she knows things about these characters. I want to know what random ideas have come to mind, like random stories from their life that didn't make it into the book. Can she just like make random... like a, a public Google Doc and just bullet point? <laughs> yes, I would love that. I also, um, I've just remembered a really random university story that I'm, I don't even know if I'm going to tell it because it's, it was when Maddie and I weren't friends. So you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have seen this. You wouldn't have, ex- like, you didn't know. I'm but intrigued. I lived, I lived with three boys in my second year. And there was this one night where they absolutely exuded the Bat Boys energy. Because I, I, I think I know it. I don't know if you do. I think Perhaps I do. you do. One, so one of our housemates is like a professional sports player and he'd just gotten a brand new tie. Uh, do you know this story? Yeah. Um, and and he, he was kind of the Reese. He was kind of just sat there existing. The other two took his tie and walked in completely naked, tied together with the tie. And if that does not sound up Cassian and Azriel doing dumb stuff to wind up Reese, I don't know what does. I don't know what does. Yeah, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, that does scream bat boy behavior. I can't believe I've never made that connection before, but now that's all I think about. That was also a terrible thing to see. I'm still scarred. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't see it. Lucky. Sorry, very off topic there. Uh, she said she really wants to explore more of this world. For example, the Night Court, the characters within it, and characters outside of the Night Court. And I'm going to tell you now, if we get a book from Tamlin's perspective, I, I'm i not reading it. I do not want it. I don't want, want it. it. <laughs> I don't want it. But especially, like, at this point there okay so i'm not gonna say anything but people have theories from this book um about like how like oh this is how like tamlin's gonna get a redemption arc he does not deserve a redemption arc like he did one good thing at the end of akawar i do not forgive him for his treatment of pharah or his treatment of lucian or his treatment of anyone in his court he is terrible and i do not think he deserves it it wasn't even like a good thing that he did out of the kindness of his heart. It was like everybody else is doing it. I guess I kind of have, I have to, I don't really have a choice, do I? Like, 
I suppose his parents never told him, like, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? No, don't do it. I don't suppose he was ever told that. I think he was like, I want to be cool. Everyone's hanging out. I'll do this. In this case, though, he did He did need to follow along. In this metaphor, yeah. he would need to have followed his friends off the cliff. But yeah. <laughs> in general life, absolutely. Actually, no, scrap that, because he really just does whatever the hell he wants. Sorry about my doorbell, if you can hear it. Mm. Also, it just... the hedgehog is uh, in her cage. So if you can hear that as well, I'm very sorry. Um, I love her. Yeah, he just he really just does whatever the hell he wants. He doesn't listen to anybody ex- except mm. Ianthe. But is she still alive, by the way? She is still alive. I feel like Ianthe, we've not seen the last of her. I, or unless it, someone please correct me if she is dead. I don't think she is. I was half expecting her to rock up at the um, the library. Literally. <laughs> or I was expecting there to be like, because something, like someone was going to sneak into the library somehow and like try and hurt people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was just me thinking of a different plot line from a different book uh, in the series. Um, back to the things that Sarah Damas had been saying on the talk. She said that the outsider's perspective was really difficult to write, especially like the past three books and then... A Court of uh, Frost and Starlight. It's writing it from the perspective of Feyre and the people in the inner circle. So it's very happy and chummy. But Sarah Jamas did say, like, although it was hard to write from the outsider's perspective, she kind of reveled in writing Reese from someone else's perspective, especially someone who's not necessarily a fan of him. Because Sarah Jamas and Feyre both believe that he is the perfect man. But Nesta thinks the complete opposite and she's not afraid to say that. And actually, that's something I kind of liked in the book is that like in front of Cassian and in front of Asriel, she will verbally disrespect Reese because she's had a really negative, like she's not always had the best relationship with him. And like, I liked that Cassian and Asriel both would be like, how dare you do not talk about him like that. But like, actually there were times when Cassian, I think in this book, learned to stand up for himself and be like, actually like, brother, I love you. But that was out, that was out of order. I'm waiting for Asriel to do it, but he did kind of in his little chapter kind of not not enough um reese needs to be knocked down a peg or two he really does like in like i'm just going to call them the akatar trilogy because i feel like this is completely separate kind of in a way it's linked but in in them first three books like i feel like asriel and Cass just kind of just went along with whatever reese did and said and he, they never questioned anything which i get they're completely loyal to him like he he is their high lord but at the same time it's like my guy maybe not everything he's doing is correct um mm. but yeah in this one i i like nesta standing up to him because like i said in a court of frost and starlight he was starting to get on my nerves a little bit Uh, We're going to momentarily jump back to the switching to the third person narrative. Apparently when she heard like Nesta's story and Nesta's narrative, it always came to her in third person. And we talked about how being in first person was just going to be too close and too personal, especially in regards to Nesta's trauma. Um, However, she did reveal that in the Waterstones, because Waterstones is uh, a British book shop um, chain, they're kind of like around the nation. Uh, In the Waterstones edition, there's a deleted point, like, well, the the favourite and resound POV, Apparently, Sarah J. Mass actually wrote a handful of like favorite and Reese point of view scenes, but her editor requested that they be removed because they were all written in like first person. And her editor was like, look, that's too much. Also, we've had books on them. We're done. But apparently, the editor is also the person that asked her to remove that one specific scene that I need to know. 
at this point i just need to know who it was i don't think I it was think needed in the book i think i think we know but again we'll talk about it later because i can't say any spoilers <laughs> i think i know i think i know the answers because i um, don't i will tell you later okay because <laughs> um, there's like a there's like a clear line in the book and i was like that's it i have the answer but i need her to say it. i need to hear her own words um one thing in this book that she does talk about uh and it's not necessarily a spoiler we do see nesta and Feyre's relationship change uh they kind of like develop their understanding of each other and that's really interesting especially considering where they are in the book and like we see the kind of like little changes throughout which i found quite important yeah same i mean i I can't say anything without spoilers so i'm just gonna keep my mouth shut (laughs) um okay this is the only place where i'm gonna try and be very careful because this these i made notes as sarah j master speaking so from this point on names are mentioned we learn a, a little bit so if you are hesitant, like don't want to know anything at all, now is the time to leave because there are some names that we dropped and little things. So kind of like tiny spoilers, but they're not like the big spoilers. Um, so obviously in Sarah J. Master's books, the kind of found family trope is a big thing and especially like girl best friends. So um, Nesta makes friends with Emery, who we met in... Um, a court of frost and starlight and a new character called Gwyn. is that how you said it that's how i was saying it i love her so yes. much i would do anything for Gwyn. i would do literally anything for her do you know what um, she mm-hmm. has got again if you don't want any spoilers com- like i'm just going to talk about her personality real quick if you don't want any spoilers just now is not the time to listen um she has got the personality that i thought elaine would have literally but elaine has no personality so (laughs) win is everything elaine wishes she was yes literally um but yes so they become friends and it's massively important to nesta's healing journey uh i made myself a little personal comment here saying i can't remember what i said so this is me reading it for the first time for Feyre, the inner circle is her fam- found family, but Nesta was a complete outsider. And like that is made clear throughout the books by the treatment of some people in the inner circle, including Cassian. There have been a number of times where he made her feel really unwelcome. Um, Morrigan consistently. And that's where I'm using her full name, not her, not her nickname. Morrigan made her feel unwelcome. She has said some things to Nesta that I think are horrendous. Um, Asriel's kind of quiet but he's he's not always been the most welcoming but also i think he's kind of scary um but also like we know from like that first chapter and again it's it's the extra chapter in um the extra pov chapter in uh frost and starlight is that we see portraits and paintings hanging in the wall and nestor isn't included in a single one so we are it's so clear that there is the family there and Nesta, and it's so clear. Um, And I think those negative interactions definitely had an impact on her and how she was reacting to people. But her friendship with Emery and Gwyn was so organic and she found them on her own, on her own terms, and they go through their own trials and they get close together and like, it's all just so natural. Um, Also, Sarah J. Moss was talking about how there are three really important journeys in this book. The overarching one is just Nesta's healing journey. Um, there's the romantic journey, which obviously everyone knows that the love interest is Cassian. 
he was always going to be. And um, the friendship slash found family one, we have Gwyn, we have Emery, we have the librarians, we have, uh, what's her name, uh, Clotho, Asriel possibly, elements of the inner circle. Like there is that development of like, even if they're not like going well, even if they're not friends, there is that kind of like things seem to be at least more communicative. Yeah. More productive. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Did Except I say I... any massive spoilers or? No, oh, I was that no. I'm so careful. <laughs> definitely not. I'm trying to figure out what I can say, what I can add without spoiling it. Mm. Um, we also find out that this kind of female friendship and like this one key kind of all recurring line, which again, not a spoiler because I'm not saying who says it, I'm not saying when and where. Um, so going back to Sarah J Mass's kind of like struggles over the past few years, uh, Sarah J Mass said one of her best friends who was actually watching the event um, said uh, we was so supportive to her throughout, you know, Sarah's like really dark time period. And her friend kept reaching out. Uh, and there is a line that we see on a number of occasions, which is just keep reaching out, keep reaching out your hand, keep, keep reaching out. And it played like such a pivotal part. I think in this kind of healing journey and self-acceptance, it was great. And I think the sense of healing from the female friendships just felt like such a natural part of Nesta's journey. Um, and I'm not saying any spoilers, but Sarah J Maas said she cried writing the ending with Emery and Gwyn. You know what, sis? So did Same. I. Same. I so much, so much. I think I messaged you at that point. No, it was just after I finished and I was just like, I need therapy. <laughs> there was a point really early on where I sent Maddie a voice note like, Sarah J Maas will be receiving a therapy bill. She will. Um, also throughout this book, Sarah, uh, not Sarah J Maas, uh, Nesta really kind of learns to like naturally give and receive support, which is nice. Cause I think she's been so used to like standing for herself and Elaine and now kind of being able to accept that there are other people that can help them. Cause considering where like the situation they're in in the first book, Nesta's like prepared to be so on her guard all the time so I think actually finding people that she knows that she can share the burden and share that load and that she can trust I think was so monumental it doesn't seem forced either yeah like I feel like in elements with favor some of that stuff kind of feels a little bit like like we get it like you have to help people like we we've been you <laughs> we get it <laughs> But I feel like with her, it's got she's got no ulterior motive at all. Yeah. Um, uh, Sarah J. Mars, I think this is going back to one of your kind of comments earlier. So Nesta is not self-involved. And especially in this book, we see that she, and this is the perk of being in her narrative and in her head, because Nesta actually thinks and reflects on her behavior. And especially in regards to Reese and Feyre and Cass. Um, and this is the first time we've truly been able to see her thought process. And so, like I said, we see moments from previous books and like we know her thought process and how she thought about the things she said. And we see how it, her mind works when she interacts with people in this book. And I think it's really important. Um, when asked, is Nesta's journey complete? Sarah J Maas absolutely shut that down. and was like, no, she has a big role to play in the future of this series, but also this is not the end. Okay, Nesta, is she healed and fixed and happy? The end of her story. And like Sarah J Maas was like, no, this is the beginning of like, and it was just the line that like, Nesta is working towards the person that she wants to be. And I thought that was just phenomenal. Like, I feel like after A Court of Mist and Fury, it was almost like 
Pharaoh was healed. Like she's okay now. It's all good. Mm. But um, mm. Nesta doesn't. Yeah. She doesn't have the same situation going on. But also, Although I would like to make sorry. One quote, just on your favorite thing. Although we do still see like the odd thing, like there's a really short scene between Cassie and just watching Feyre paint and it's what she paints. I think we still see that that trauma is still there. And I think for her, I think she having painting, whether she's a good painter or not, I'm still, I know what my favorite theory is. <laughs> um, I think having art as her outlet I think really allowed her to express herself and then like having her found family of the inner circle whereas Nesta had nothing and we find out what one of her creative outlets is but it's not necessarily one she would have been able to utilize in healing yeah also sorry I I think they no it's fine they also I feel like they specifically asked her is there going to be another book with Nesta and I feel like she was like on the edge and I I really hope there's another book in her perspective because I love I loved every second of it mm-hmm. I'm hoping there is even if it's not like for the next like three books I just I want it eventually like yeah no definitely um the one thing Sarah Jemas did want to kind of say is that there is an overarching plot and it is like I think things and characters we're meeting now situations we're seeing now are part of that overarching plot so yes the plot in this book was I mean it was just the healing journey no other massive big bad guys but like there are hints there that we are going to see continuing throughout uh up next because they kind of like split it into sections so up next is the physical evolution um and my favorite thing was Sarah J Marshall was like talking about how she's a massive fan of like the kind of classic like a film montage I love a good film montage me but she too was, like, like this entire book is essentially a tribute to montages I love as well that that. she actually like went out and tried all of this stuff she said she had a personal trainer and he like taught her some of this stuff so she actually got to experience like Mm. she got to put herself in Nesta's shoes Mm -hmm. and specifically in regards to sword fighting um she asked her trainer and like there's like a few things her trainer said that like were directly written in as Cassian's lines um I also really liked um what was it she said about like the the fire burning in someone when they train like that's what it's all about because it's like a real outlet but like you're you can make yourself feel better but you can get out that anger and that frustration and as she's building up her physical strength she's building up her emotional and mental strength and she builds up who she is um i was actually thinking and again not a spoiler because it's mentioned at the end of Ackle, no a court of frost and starlight it's difficult because Frost and Starlight and Silver Flames are like the same letters but the other way around. So it's Akasuf and Akafus. <laughs> um, Frost and Starlight. Um, so we we know that like Nessa's going to train with Cassian. Um, and then at the beginning of this book, we find out she has another more peaceful task in the library. And I thought immediately, I thought that was a really good choice. Because it's that physical, like angry, letting everything out, but then having more quiet time and what would be considered possibly like a more menial task but something that I think you still have to think and it's I thought it was really well planned out I thought it was a really I liked it I liked it too and I I feel like um I there's like random times at work like so I work in a shop as well as in the school and there's like just random tasks like the other day I just um 
I was turning things around for stock take. Like I was literally taking things off the shelf and turning them the opposite way. But it made the days go so quickly. Like I was quite happy doing it. It's the most stupid task, but I was very happy just standing there and just just doing that. Like stacking shelves, working in a library. That's my ideal job, mate. I don't need to think about anything. There's no pressure. Yeah. Uh, up next, they kept it so short and sweet uh, with the steamy scenes. Um, so this is where client, like clearly she was like, this is adult fiction. Um, I and feel the like she maybe, yeah. sorry, sorry to interrupt. I feel like she maybe needed some more warnings on the fact that it, <laughs> it is adult. Because mm. I, I know that's what a lot of people are like 14 reading this book. And if they went straight into it, <laughs> I'd have been like, Whoa, 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 what is going on here, Chief? Like... I had to send a warning home because I had a student was reading the first Throne of Glass book. I said the first like one or two, maybe maybe the first three are okay. But once you get past that, once you get to like Empire of Storms, that's not suitable for year seven. <laughs> no, it's um, definitely not. Yeah, uh, we found out the sex scenes are all tied to the romantic and personal journeys of the characters in this book. Um, the House of Wind. I love the House of Wind. I want the House of Wind. Me too, but I I don't think we should say much about it at this point. Yeah. I feel like they got too much into spoiler like the category for a spoiler yeah. free talk i was te messaging mm. you at this point and i was like are they sure they're meant to be talking yeah. about this like it's uh... yeah uh, and i have some really important points that sarah said but i am gonna save those until we talk about it mm -hmm. um but one thing i did want to point out um so sarah jamas was describing she says she's a homebody and her house was actually built before the spanish influenza hit and she's now living in it through a pandemic and obviously like the Spanish influenza was one of like the last like massive like worldwide pandemic. I just thought Spanish influenza is when um Edward Cullen was turned into a vampire. Do you ever think that like our generation's Edward Cullen is being created now? Do you ever think about that? Sorry, what was that? Do you ever think about the fact that our generation's Edward Cullen is being created now? I don't like that for. <laughs> I don't like that. I, 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 I genuinely hope it's just Robert Pattinson in that like brown like Adidas tracksuit. Maddie's on mute for a second. Uh, I can just keep talking. So we learn about the Night Court fashion inspiration. Um, again, being very careful to not talk about spoilers. Uh, Nesta has a ball dress at some point. Whether she actually wears it to a ball, that is up to you to find out. Uh, but that was inspired by um, the Black Swan in Swan Lake. Um, and apparently it is, that entire scene is one of the best ones or like Sarah's favorite, one of her favorites she's ever written. We also know that the Starfall dress is also one of her favorites. This kind of leads into um, musical influences for the book. So um, Tchaikovsky, is very inspirational for the scene when Nesta wears this dress. It's uh, Tchaikovsky's music is very influential to that moment. Um, but and my favorite thing was she went off on this personal little story. She was talking about how in a world before the pandemic, uh, she was at a Blink One Eight Two concert. Blink One Eight Two were iconic, um, and um, 
there's a song called Stay Together for the Kids. And she's at this concert, living her best life. Stay Together for the Kids starts playing. And she said it like actually unlocked insight into Nessa's mind, specifically Nessa's emotions and thoughts in regards to her family. So that's her mum, her dad and the sisters. And it's, yeah. I would like to circle back. Oh, it's going to be echoey. Yeah. Is it echoey? It is echoey, but we can hear you. That's the most important thing. Okay, I'm really sorry, guys. Everyone's running um, chaos in my house. I've moved three times. Um, I wanted to circle back to the Swan Lake thing because I couldn't talk. Um, When she said that, I was like, I could then picture the dress. I couldn't picture it before, but the second she said um, the black swan, I was like, oh my God, yes. And then when she mentioned Tchaikovsky, I was like, is this entire book just inspired around Swan Lake? <laughs> like, oh, are we okay? I, I'm not complaining. Also, I wish I'd have known that. I wish I would have listened to that music when I was reading that scene. Mm. I want to go back and reread it with that music in the background. Yeah, because... I, I would. Um, yeah. That's what I wanted to add. But also, like, randomly, I other iconic scenes, and again, I'll try and be careful in case people don't want spoilers, but, like, going back to the Court of Mist and Fury, the first time we go to the Court of Nightmares, you know the scene, I mean. It's one of the most... Pa- I think it's one of the best scenes Sarah's written just for the entrance into the Court of Nightmares. I want that with, like, a really, like... Like, I, I have ideas of songs that I would, like, specifically see, like... Cass and Azrael walking in like I want to see the inner circle as they come in I that would be such a power move and that is one of the only reasons I want to see it like turned into like a film series or like a tv show just to see these moments immortalized and if they weren't I'm going to fight someone I'm not kidding I'm very happy that I I the only reason I would want a um, adaptation, because we all know how um, brilliantly bad they normally are, is so I can physically see these scenes. Because it's nice being in my head, but I want to see it in real life. Mm. Yeah. I want to see the absolute power move that is them walking into the night, um, into the Court of Nightmares. So many names in this series. I am <laughs> struggling to keep up. <laughs> Literally. Um, we find out a bit more about Nesta and we find out that she was like actually like full and I mean you can kind of understand it in their society it's based it's based on some of the more kind of like older values so she was kind of raised to be a debutante and like for her she was kind of basically told like don't bother learning a weapon don't bother any of that you're like a ball ground what am I saying your battleground <laughs> is a ballroom you are going out for that coin. You are securing your family. Basically, Nesta would, uh, she would have been the diamond of the season if she was in Bridgerton. Um, because her entire job was to find an advantageous marriage to secure her family's future. And when that life became impossible because um, because everything that happened with her mom and the ships and them going broke, she didn't know what to do. And Feyre stepped up as a hunter because she had, she had, she'd learned that skill and it came naturally to her. It wasn't fair. You know, as the youngest, that was not fair for her to do. But Nesta, I think she, her skills were completely redundant. And I think she didn't know what to do because her entire life had been built up knowing this one thing. And she was like, well. And also, I feel like people forget that they were all still children when that happened. And just because um, she was the oldest, it doesn't mean that it was her responsibility to get them out of that mess. She was still a child. The fact that Feyre ended up stepping up 
fair enough, like good for her, but it was never her responsibility to get them out of that situation. And I feel like everyone always thinks, oh, but she was the oldest, so therefore, no, 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 no. It was her parents' situation that they got them in in the first place. It was his responsibility to get them out. None of this, oh, let's just blame the oldest. No, sorry, this is me coming from <laughs> being the as oldest. As the oldest, child. you're speaking. <laughs> yeah. You're a spokesperson. As the oldest of three, you are allowed to have your opinion there. Yeah. It, honestly, it does annoy me. And I feel like this book is... like It really drills in that fact, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, the, the last, like time period I felt like was a bit of a waste in the interview when there could have been like actual fan questions like us asking live uh we didn't get that instead it was what is your ideal setting to write in so obviously she said at home she said she used to have coffee and live lab music but her writing schedule's like been updated since she became a mum I found it quite funny because she was like oh one of the filthiest scenes I actually had to write she was like I completed it like at the kitchen table while my son was chasing the dog around and I was like how can you do that? I attempted to read a Wattpad like smutty fan fiction over the dinner table and I couldn't. I couldn't even, the, the thought wouldn't even process. Um, so I don't know how she could write some of those scenes in that book. And like, yeah. Um, but she said like, if she had to answer, because I mean, her, her entire thing is now kind of bounced around being a mum and being an author and being a wife and being happy and doing this. So everything's bounced around that. But she said if she had to choose an ideal place to write, she said she'd love to write by a crackling fire with blankets in a like a cozy chair in the Scottish Highlands, which I think the Scottish Highlands would be great. Uh, one thing I did kind of like get excited about because I'm a fan of it as well, but again, I thought it was a bit of a waste of time. One of the apparent audience questions, and you know what, if you're listening and you were the audience member that asked it, great, good for you. I love Outlander, thank you for this. But at the same time, there were so many other more pressing questions I really wish had been chosen. Which is, the, the question was, if Akatar and Outlander characters would cross over, what would happen? Um, and like, there was just like answers of like how like Nesta, Feyre and Claire would all get on well. Um, no one answered this, but there's a character in Outlander called Galus. And then Elaine, they would get on like a house on fire, but Galus has more of a personality. She has the depth. She has the layers. As someone who has never read, watched Outlander, this all just went over my head. Like, yeah. I didn't have a clue well, like, what was going on. I would like to say to you, Madison, I think you should watch Outlander. Our housemate, Jessica, she's going to start watching it soon. And the thing is, Outlander, it's... It's not afraid to go there. There's a lot of nudity, a lot of sex, lots of violence, lots of like sexual assault, which like I hadn't expected going into it. But the thing that keeps me coming back is Sam Human, who plays Jamie Fraser. When I tell you there is a point and I'm not giving any context to the scene, but he kicks in a window, points a gun and says, I'll ask you to take your hands off my wife. But in this deep, thick Scottish accent, I died. See, I, I melted. Would love to, I would love to be like, oh yeah, I know that actor. But both of us know, both of us and Jessica know that names are not my friends. I honestly have no idea. You could also tell me the name of a show or a film that someone's been in and I still wouldn't have a clue because I can't even remember the name of shows. So... <laughs> 
<laughs> I need a description and I, I need to see a picture. That's, that's, all I, that's the only way I'm knowing who you're talking about. Well, perhaps I wasn't saying it for your benefit, but for the listeners. No, Didn't think you, about that, did you? You could have been, but I can't respond because I don't know who you're talking about. Um, the final section, the question that everyone was asking is, what's next? So Sarah J. Mars is in the editing stages of Crescent City 2, which is promising because if it's the editing stages, that's like a whole book done, just editing. It's supposed to come out in November. Uh-huh. I'm it's excited. apparently going to rival. It's going to rival a quarter of silver flames because it's apparently going to be more sex. I feel like I'm allowed to say it now because this is a public. Nothing's confirmed. It's just a public theory. The one scene I've been talking about all night that was cut out was apparently a threesome. Apparently, she took it from Akatar and just wedged it into Crescent City instead. That is not what I asked for, Sarah J. Mars. That is not what I asked for. That is not what I want. Also, to go from, because Crescent City was her first adult book. And it was literally not adult at all. No, the themes maybe, but I feel like A Court of Mystery and Fury and Kingdom of Ash are both, go, both go into much deeper themes than um, Crescent City do. But, and then to go from, like, literally nothing happens in that book to rivaling this book, I feel like is an extreme. Mm. People talk- kept saying that Crescent City was spicy. And like I remember I asked you, like, what are the spiciest scenes? And you were like, yeah. And now that I read through it, I'm like, where's the spice? Where is the flavour? Add a little spice. Spice. Um, is that everything? Oh, the overarching theme, the overarching message that Sarah J Mas wants us to take away is that you're worthy of love. And self-love. Self-love. In the words of RuPaul, if you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love, gonna love somebody else? I stand by that. Like, I little bit of like a little bit of a insight into my life uh since I got out of like my last relationship I've like worked on that whole self-love I have developed a god complex I am in love like all the places I used to be insecure I'm in love with we have at at least once a week we receive on the group chat this is me and Jess a snapchat from (laughs) Beth just in the mirror being like who gave me the right to look Look, I just bought two brand new, like, satin, like, silk slip dresses, and I have no one else to show it to, so you two get it. Yeah, I'm not complaining, it's great, and I know I do the exact same thing, Um, but them dresses are gorgeous. I'm obsessed. Mm. I treated myself to the black one on Valentine's Day, because it was the first Valentine's Day I spent single in a while, so I was like, I'm treating myself. I'm going to feel amazing. Join the club because I've spent every Valentine's Day single. (laughs) It's okay because I love you. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Love you, bestie. Didn't I text you this morning just going, bestie vibes only? If I'm honest, I don't know. I saw light up, bitch. (laughs) I was meant to reply, but then I got... You know. I got sucked into a lesson, so I didn't actually open your message. Oof. Sorry. That was okay. I was going to say, like, we've really adopted the light it up bitch. Yeah, we have. But we only say light it up bitch. We, it's, like, really rare that the other one responds with light it up asshole. We just stick with bitch. Look, here's the thing. With an American accent, asshole sounds 
fine. But with a British one, I feel like it is the most uncomfortable word to say. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't like it. I really yeah. don't like it. And I can't do an American accent, so I refuse to say it. I can do an American accent, but I'm not doing it here. I'm not doing it here. Um, what am I thinking? Also, round about it, because we completely skipped the the normal, how are you, how's your mental health, what are you reading, what are you watching? I think we were just so, like, straight into talking about the book and stuff. But, like, since our last episode, so much has happened. Yesterday, Bojo the Clown was like, oh, guys, I have a possible plan. My favourite thing is how much everyone has jumped. They have jumped at the chance of like, oh, my God, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. Now, will I, did I shed a tear at the, at the thought that I might be able to see my family soon? Yeah, I did. But we have to keep in mind, Boris Johnson said that the first lockdown was going to be two weeks. It still feels like we are in March of 2020. March 2021 is next month. So everyone is getting very overexcited and I'm like, I'm still hesitant. And I'm not being funny, right? Has he cha- changed his plan? Sorry for the American listeners. They're not going to have a clue what's going on. But, but it plan- might be interesting. Yeah. His plan last time was open schools too early, have a tier system, hope for the best. His plan this time is open schools too early, but include testing um, try and force as many vaccines as he can possibly get, but not actually following the guidelines from the people who made the vaccines. Um, oh, and a tier system, but this time we're not going to call it tier systems. We're going to call it, I can't even remember what he said. Um, I can't even stages. Remember. There we go. Yeah. It's the exact same process. I yeah. really think by the time May comes around, we're going to be back in another lockdown. Hmm. Unless he can and get everyone vaccinated in like the next two months i can't see it happening i think we're gonna have to peace out this episode is over two hours we are going to have to sorry i'm just moving again <laughs> okay. tonight has been the episode of madison moving yeah i'm very sorry oh it's a moose come in <gasps> it's a moose is this moose's no this isn't moose's debut on the podcast is it max would you like to say anything <laughs> There we go. Oh my gosh, that's the most important opinion. I think <laughs> send it to Sarah J. Mars and say, Maddie's dog says, you got to accept what you've done. <laughs> accept your fault. Take accountability. She'll be like, who said that? We'll say Moose. The dog. <laughs> moose. No explanation to who Moose is. Also, I feel, I, at this point, I feel like we're going to have to make an, a bonus episode of us just talking about random shit. Um, I think so. If you would be interested in that, send us a- well i think we, we should do at some point another we did like a kind of like get to know us episode and it was like very book themed i think we should do that if you're yeah. interested let us know um, um we're gonna have to wrap that up sorry so, i'm just gonna sorry. finish my sorry. really quickly i saw a tiktok that said if your um dogs named this you are the most basic type of person in the world and it both max and moose was on that list now my dog's called max but i've always called him moose <laughs> so, and i i Honestly, my heart. I didn't name him Max. That was my brother in my defense. Um, but yeah. I'm so proud. <laughs> I think Moose is so cute though. I That's what I'm really holding out hope for is to be able to see your dogs. Maybe you, but mainly your dogs. You know what? I rate that. I'm literally going to lie down in the corridor or in, just in your living room and I'll let them 
they can f- like they don't even have to pay attention. <laughs> what were you gonna say? <laughs> I was I my brain switched off. I was like, they can literally ignore me and I will just be fine with it. You know I they wouldn't do that. Me. Yeah. Especially if I bring cheese with me. Oh, hundred percent or hot dogs. Mm. Oh yeah, because I ca- I casually just carry uh, hot dogs in my pocket all the time. Well, when we was training them, it's long story short, but Dexter decided he didn't want to walk anywhere ever, and at training he literally lied down. And even the we had a dog whisper come out for him as well. It's a long story, but <laughs> but even she was like, I don't know what to do. And then she was like, Oh, just like feed him treats as as you go for walks, which he very quickly figured out that if he lies down during a walk, he gets hot dogs. So he would just lie down constantly. <laughs> But for a while we just had idea. Yeah, for a while we just had boxes of like cut up cheese and hot dogs in our pockets when we took him for a walk. How grim is that? Oh, I love that for him. Mm. All right, Madison, do you want to tell everyone do you want to tell the people the uh, social media handles? Yes. Um TikTok and Instagram is at off the book underscore the podcast. Twitter is at off the book underscore pod. We have a Gmail off the book podcast at gmail.com and a Goodreads off is just off the book. Um, if you if you like really enjoyed this episode and <laughs> you feel the need and you're listening on um, Apple Podcasts, you can leave us a review and a little comment and rate us. It it really helps us out because. Yeah. I re- I don't I don't know how this has happened. So our last episode, we still haven't done any promotion. <laughs> we, Which in is... our defense, it's been manic. Yeah, like, we had a hard term, but we didn't stop working. Yeah, um, and we've still got like almost the same amount of listens on it as a normal podcast. So thank you guys. <laughs> I'm very impressed. Um, but I think that's also um, helped it helps with the reviews because it gets recommended to people so if you feel feel yeah. the need you can do that it would be much appreciated it would be and please if you are following us on our social media uh please uh like follow share share our tiktoks with your friends they are stupid but we love making them we've not made one in a while um but we 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 will get back to attempting um yeah no thank you everyone for listening so uh our next episode will be discussed or episode possibly two i think we have a lot to say about this book and we still i still have a lot of things that i actually i've not spoken to you about yet but i have a lot of problems with the book specific plot lines i have issues with i have some problems with some of the plot lines and we won't talk about it but i can give you the hint of for a magical world they have no concept of medicine do they do they know what a doctor is? I think not. Um, but yes, so next episode, possibly two episodes, is going to be a lot full on. So bring your snacks, sit in a nice cozy chair, maybe have some coffee. It's going to be a wild, wild ride. Uh, thank you again for all of your support. We are very, very grateful. And if you have read... A Court of Silver Flames. Let us know your thoughts. We've both read it, so don't worry. You won't be spoiling it for us. Uh, we, As we said, all of our contact details, please get in contact with the account. We will gladly talk to you about your favourite theories or your least favourite theories. Um, I think that's it. That's all we, we have to say. So I think we're ready to peace out. Yep. All right. Goodbye. Peace out.